Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Welcome to American Submitter. I'm Imran Ali Malik. Today we're talking to Bassam Tariq. He's a filmmaker that comes from working class roots in Queens, New York City. Co-director on These Birds Walk, a film inspired by Abdul Sattar Idi that follows the lives of street kids in Karachi. He also made a film called Ghosts of Sugarland about a friend of his growing up that ended up joining ISIS. That film won the special jury prize at Sundance and was shortlisted for the Oscars. But in this conversation, we talk mostly about his latest film, Mogul Mowgli. It stars Riz Ahmed, who plays Zed, a British Pakistani rapper. Zed gets an autoimmune disease and is forced to return home and confront all of what he left behind. The film premiered a few weeks ago in Berlin, where it won the International Critics Prize. But with the global pandemic at hand, there's no sense of when or how this film will come out. I had the privilege to watch the film, and it's a dreamlike, almost psychedelic portrayal of what it feels like to be a South Asian in the diaspora. We speak to Bassam Tariq about some of the themes that come out in the film, and also reflect on what this means in the global pandemic that we're in. <laughs> it's so weird that we're doing this like this because I'm, I'm so, I've been such a fan of, you know, of what you've been putting together. So I, I will also just want to throw out a caveat that my kids might run in at any moment. So I actually really like that about the coronavirus is like any call I get on, everyone always has to be like, oh, oh my, um, my kids might run in. And the funny thing is that anytime I do any call, like my kids are always running in, even before the coronavirus. <laughs> so in a way, it's like I go, yeah, yeah, that's going to happen to me as well. Kind of like it's a it's a once in a lifetime thing that it's going to happen. And the truth is, man, like um, I've just tried to kind of make it to where all my things in life blend in with each other. They bleed in. And I don't know if that's a good thing, if that's a healthy thing, but it's something that I've just been just, it just happens to be the only way where I can be with my family and also do my work is that they all have to just kind of be together. Yeah. When you were shooting Mogul Mowgli recently, you had your family out in, in London where you were shooting, right? Uh, not during production, man, but they came out during post. Uh, but but I do think that in future projects, I will want my family to be there with me. I think with Mogul Mowgli was, you know, there was a lot of moving parts with the music and the singing and the, you know, the, the movement stuff, a lot of prep and like a lot of educating for my crew the ideas of God that people had were were very different. They had a very, I think, Judeo-Christian, or I would just say very Christian idea of God, which is fine. But I think for the film, even though I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a religious film, a lot of the references and a lot of things that I pulled from came from Sufism and, and from Islam. So I once did like a theological what was it? I once did an Islam, not even Islam 101. I did like a God 101 in Islam class where I kind of like sat down for two hours. And it was really hard, man, because I don't like talking about faith, but I felt in order for us to all make the same film, we had to have the same language of God. And I think illness is generally viewed from a Western perspective as not something that's good, right? And I think in our in our culture, I think, I mean, in, in the sort of Islamic theological understanding, from what I know, it, it's a form of purification. And I think veils are lifted from your heart. So I think, and, you know, your heart's expanded. And it's also seen as a gift, I think. So I think that was important for me to kind of give that understanding of God as like something that's more whole and less like a thing that's above or below or like a father, but, you know what is something that's considered oneness and presence and you know so just trying to give people the understanding it was really hard man because you know i've always been very very insecure about being someone that believes like it's <laughs> it's a tough thing to admit that that you believe because it's it's so easy to make fun of and it's almost easier to to say you don't believe you know uh cuz because uh, then you don't have to defend anything. But I feel like there's so much baggage uh, that people have with faith in God. And, and I understand, like, it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy when you come into the world. There's so much dogmatic understandings of God and 
and you know and i think when it when it's considered truth there's like a very black and white like if i if i have an opinion or a belief then everything else is wrong i mean even for myself man it's been a challenge like is there such thing as like a tent pole version of something where it's a big umbrella and then there's truth and the truth's bigger than even i can imagine and we all have it it's just a matter of us trying to see how we're coming towards it i think that's something that i've been trying to wrap my head around this thing about being insecure about believing do you think in some ways you giving this talk to your crew and trying to bring these things into the film is part of your desire to blend areas of your life into each other as you said yeah i think so i mean like i've been i've been trying to understand why it's it's so hard for me to to talk about this stuff and because man, I can't deny it. Like if anyone spends any time with me, when it's time to pray, I'm gonna be like, all right, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go pray. <laughs> but you know, Riz and I, we talk about this film being really expensive therapy for him and I. <laughs> but that's what this has to be, man. It has to be a way of like exercising your own demons. I remember when I was getting started on this project, like I was sitting with uh, a mentor of mine, somebody that I really respect as a filmmaker. And he saw I was so nervous. I'm so, I was so, I'm always anxious, but I think he like really felt my anxiety. And he was just like, Hey bro, what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to (laughs) grow. And I love that, man. It just feels so great because I like, I can't look at myself from last year, right? Like at this point, because I'm just like, Oh, Basam, you knew so little, but you have to also love how little you knew at the time, because I think your ignorance is something that's also a gift that can allow you to run into things, you know, and uh, last year around this time, we were actually shooting the film and I didn't know what I got myself into, man. It was, it was a hard shoot. I think I was talking to you sometimes around that time. So, you know, like, and (laughs) I was talking to a lot of different people to get help, to get advice because I, I just, you know, people were looking at me for answers and I didn't know, man, I didn't know what I was doing. And I, and I had to admit that like so many times. And I felt like, that made me seem weak as a leader. I wanted to be really the cool director that like walked in and like had all the answers, but I didn't, man. And that was that was really hard for me to admit to myself that I wasn't the smartest person in the room. Well, all right, let's back up a second because I just watched the film last night. You were you were kind enough to send over a screener, and even though I had an idea of the plot, it was just so surprising in its form in the way it flowed. It took me back to like a, a little bit of a purer time. It took me back to being 15 years old, visiting my brother in his dorm room. And they had a, the VHS tape of Fight Club. It wasn't a thing when it when it first came out. It was just this thing. And I put it on and I watched it. And I I probably started it really late at night and ended up staying up all night. Last night, I couldn't sleep for hours after I watched this film because... It just opened up so many things for me. I mean, the film is is dreamlike and takes you in and out of this mood. And the mood that I was really feeling was the sense of the sense of confusion and disconnection that you have as a child in the diaspora, any diaspora really, but for us South Asians, and particularly about partition and about religion and about tradition our history you know all of these things there's so many references and elements in there that i i would imagine that if i was 15 years old you know this would have been my fight club and just like fight club i would have watched it you know almost every day for years and just kind of like really gotten into it and really geeked out about it so Thank you, man. Wow, that's such a compliment, man. That really, really means a lot. That's what, that's what, like, I I want people to feel from it. Like, I mean, there's there's something that you said that, that made me, that made me think of something like, it's important that we also give thanks to our elders. There's, there's a man that I met only once, but he had a really profound impact on my life and he died. May God grant him the highest uh, level of paradise. His name is uh, Fawad Nehti. And uh, his son, Nader, is also this like gem of a person. And uh, Nader invited me over to his house to, to have food with his, his father and his mother, Homera. And they were so kind to have me and host me. And Fouad has been ill for a while. And a lot of people know him and, and they've 
shared a lot about him. And there's something I just wanted to share that just kind of, this just really brought out from what you said. Um, I've been thinking a lot about what he said, so I thought it was just relevant to share right now. Um, and forgive me if this is like a complete tangential thing, but but I see it relating to this conversation we're having. He said to me, like, because we were talking about film and and all this stuff and the arts, and and he said to me that to not worry so much about the ambiguity of things and the and and the sort of kind of this like halal haram type thing that I think a lot of us young filmmakers, particularly Muslim filmmakers, get stuck on, right? We get really legalistic about work. And and he said to me that we have to remember that it the first thing is la ilaha, like there is no God. There is no God but God, that in darkness then there is light, but you need the darkness to see the light. And in just our affirmation, right? Like, like he said that there was a negation before an affirmation, that there is so much beauty in just that shahada right that we have that like just knowing that that's the map for us as artists as well that you have this space to experiment because it always points back to the truth right no matter how far you go you'll always come back to it i think that was something that i found really um liberating and and it's funny because he actually said this to me like after our film finished and i was in the edit and i mean the edit had finished too but it was something i needed to hear just just for myself because you know you you make something and you feel like you've made so many mistakes and you've made and i'm not talking about like like a legalistic like like haram halal mistakes i'm not talking about that i'm just talking about like just being for, like forgiving myself for the things that I felt were shortcomings in the film, you know, and, but, but I think even in the imperfections of, of what it is that if you hope to do something, you know, it'll still point back to truth. So I think that's kind of the, the hope of work like this. And also, man, I was blessed. I, I had this like gift of, of an actor, a collaborator in Riz that, I mean, like, <laughs> I just get emotional thinking about the dude. I mean, you know, he's, He's he's really one of the best actors alive right now, and and I was it was really an honor to to work with him and and to learn from him really because you know so much of this comes from our life and he's a Londoner man I'm not a Londoner I'm so New York I'm so I'm so Queens I'm so you know like American and you know this film takes place in London and I had to really lean on him for a lot of stuff and like yo what's okay how about this like. You know, do, 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 does the family have a Jadu TV? Like I have a Jadu TV and stuff like that. So it's like little things like that. We just had to like, you know, had to ch check up with him on. And and he was always really gracious about, you know, letting me in and and not ever feeling like, because, <laughs> you know, there's there's a moment in this whole thing where you as a director have to make the actor feel safe. And I don't think I did that, man. I didn't give him the safety, I think, that I that I wish to have given him. But. Maybe I did. I don't know. Maybe in my own vulnerability, there was a safety that that came out. But I can't imagine that you didn't make him feel safe. I mean, so much of the film, you're really kind of looking at his identity. He's playing a character named Zed, which is short for Zahir, and he's so he's a he's a rapper, and he's rapping Riz's songs, songs that Riz just put out on his new album the long goodbye. So there is this interesting interplay between a uh, real life artist, but also this fictional character. That line is, it feels pretty blurry. There is some self-examination, but there's also a lot of probing of things that are external to that character's world. A lot of that is the heavy stuff. So like religion, tradition, mm. and history, mm. and these specters that are haunting Zed's character like this Kavali singer who appears with his face covered in this floral headdress. And he just kind of comes in and out of the film. And you kind of, you just see that there is something there that he can't access. And that's something that he's being called towards. Like that character is, is quoting scripture to him and, you know, telling him to do things. One of the many accomplishments of this film is that you were able to approach these very heavy things, tradition, religion, history, with a type of levity 
and a space that you created so that you could explore this in a creative way. Yeah, I think it's a tonal thing, man. It's a tonal thing, like, and it's tough. I remember the day on set, like, because I think the first few days were quite straightforward. And then the first day where we were filming the character that Toba Tech Singh, who at the time we were calling Gulabmia, which is like Mr. Flower, right? Or Flower Face. Remember he shows up on set at the at this like mosque that we created. And it's like this somber mosque setting. And like, you know, I help like set the tone of like what a message should feel like. And then this like guy walks in with this like headdress and I like freak out for a second where I'm like, oh my God, I forget our film goes there. Right. And then Riz looks at me, Riz like, what's wrong, man? You're making me feel weird. Like, did I do something wrong? I'm like, no, Riz, you're fine. I just, like, it was that moment where I was like, oh, I've made this decision. Like, this is, I've committed, like, I've made this decision to go this way with this film and now I need to commit to it. So it was, man, I'll tell you something. Like, I think the hardest part in this film was really striking the balance of tone and, uh, you know, and I, and I feel like it's, it's about having the right team around you and trusting them. And I think that's what this is, man. Like if I wanted, something that I'm learning throughout this whole thing is just that like, if I wanted to be a painter or if I wanted to like, I mean, if I wanted to work alone, Imran, like I would have been a painter. I would have been like a fiction writer. I would have been like, I don't know, <laughs> anything else, right? But I became a filmmaker because I've realized that like I love to work with people and I wanna work with people that are better than me. and. I, I really do care about collaborations. I care about relationships. And that's what these things are. It's like, you know, you're in like long-term relationships with these people and you fall in love with these people. And it's, you know, and it's really important to, to do that. Like I look at each one of my projects with such fondness because I don't think of a film, like I'll be honest, I can't even watch my own work, man. I'm so embarrassed about it, but because I see so many problems, with it, but I love the relationships that came out of it. Like, when I think of Ghost of Sugarland, I think of Faria Zaman, my my producer. I think of my editor. I think of my friends that are in it, my brother that's in it. I think when I think of These Birds Walk, I think of Umar Malik. And I think of our times in Pakistan, literally like having no money and like sleeping on this like charpai next to each other with like no running water and like, you know, taking turns waiting for like the bathroom to like, you know, like, yeah, we would have like, we like, you know, it's like all these like crazy stories that, that you share with people. Like we... You know, when I think of Mogul Mowgli, I, I think of Riz and myself, like looking at each other, like, oh my God, we're, we're really doing this. Like this guy who's really like literally at the cusp of breaking out has made a decision to make a film where he's literally taking a shit three times. You know what I mean? Like, there's, <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's really, it's really bold. It's really risk risky on his part. And, you know, I, I love that he did that. And I'm not saying it's like, oh, so he's a celebrity and he's a nice person. It's like, I expect everyone to be respectful. But this isn't about respect. It's about adab. And to see somebody with like, you know, clear manners is really exceptional. Because I learned from that man. And I saw myself losing it. But seeing him keep it together, you know, was, was important. And, and it helped me keep it together. And that's what it's about. Like when I think of these things and like in a lot of the work that I do, it's it's gotta be about the relationships and the people that I wanna continue to like have these crazy, it's like really tumultuous, beautiful, <laughs> meaningful, trusting relationships. You know, that's what you wanna build. Because like what I'm learning, man, even now with COVID and how you and I are cooped up in, in literally like different parts of America is, we we don't we don't know the we don't know the outcomes of any of these things. I sent you the film, Imran, because I don't know if this film's ever going to get released. Like I just don't know, right? Like yeah, in, in the inshallah in UK it'll have a good release and blah blah blah. But in the states, like I don't know what's going to happen. Like this film might just be on Vimeo that I just put up because I just want everyone to see it. I I don't know how people are going to see it, and and I have this like desire and this impatience to get it out now. And I know that Riz shares that impatience with me. So, you know, it's, <laughs> but, but we don't control, like, it's just one of those things you just don't control, like, you know, who's going to like your work and who's not. So for me, it's like, I just, and I, and I learned this really from Omar and I learned this from Omar Malik, who, you know, was one of my first collaborators and, and one of the most, I think, I would say like the most life-changing experiences and relationships in my life was, you know, one point, like, Every time we were done filming and we were going to leave like part ways, 
whether at the airport in New York or whether it was like once in Pakistan, he had to leave early to go to Cairo. He would he would always look to me and and he would say this and he would be like he was like, hey, look, I'll 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 burn all these hard drives if I know that our relationship would be destroyed because of this. And 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 he meant it. And I I get emotional thinking about it because like I don't know if I was that that good about it, you know, back then, because I just wanted to make, also, I'm going to make this great film, and I'm going to, like, get an agent, and it's going to be this, like, great world I'm going to be a part of, it'll be Hollywood, and I'll, like, you know, I'll do a music video for Radiohead, you know, so, and it's like, you know, none of those things really happen that way, and I just, you know, but yeah, that's what I learned, man, it's like, it's it's about, yeah, it's about the ethical framework that you do your work with, and making sure that you keep that up, and it's challenging, man. It's testing. I don't know if like, I'm okay right now, but who knows, maybe in my next relationships, I screw somebody over, you know? It's like, I'm not sure if you saw this thing that happened with the Magambo video recently that I did with Riz, where like somebody came out saying that we were uh, unjust to the wrestler that that's in the video. I'm not sure if you saw that. Yeah, I did notice that. And I saw your response, but, but talk about it. Yeah, it was really interesting. So a few months ago, somebody um, went on Twitter um, and said that we uh, had um, we we didn't pay the the wrestler uh, what he had asked for, and that we had taken advantage of him. And um, you know, we we contacted the local producer on the ground to figure out what happened, and everything was fine. Like we didn't, you know, we didn't screw anybody over. So we just I showed him all the paperwork. I looked through the voice notes of the wrestler but i think in it man like i also realized that uh i could have been better with with how i dealt with the wrestler right I dealt with rashid that's his name and you know it's like it's like i just realized that sometimes when you move so fast you you aren't as as good as you should be um and what i mean by good it's not about like it's about manners it's about like being respectful having integrity and to see that I have blind spots and, and to acknowledge that I think is really important. And I think like I didn't, I, I didn't like send him the music video when we were finished. Like I just wrote a few messages to him on WhatsApp and we exchanged a few things. But when the video went live at that point, I'd moved on. And, um, you know, but, but I think that really affected Rashid that, that I wasn't as, you know, collaborative in the process. But I think there's also generally an understandable tension between people from the diaspora, people like you and me, and people that live back home in Pakistan and the motherland, right? As we would call it. And this feeling of us coming there to then poach things from there that we like that are cool for us, like appropriate things. And um, and it's a real problem. Like I, I do think that there's a tension there that 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 is is real, you know, it's a real tension. I don't know the answer to it. It's not gonna stop me from like doing things in Pakistan. I think I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be more respectful. I'm gonna be better about it, hopefully. and. But, you know, for me, it is something that I think a lot about is how I come into Pakistan, how I approach it and, you know, and, and the privileges I bring when I when I come there. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm thinking about, you know, when you were when you did These Birds Walk, which is a film about it was supposed to be about Abdul Sitar Idi. But then in the first scene, he tells you, well, you want to film me, my story and I am amongst, you know, all the poor people. And so you follow the poor people that film you know feels it doesn't feel like it's exploitative in any way it's just it's shedding light on on people that nobody really cares about you know and and that that's a very different thing than say like you know the the mogambo video that you did which was the wrestler gubberty player and then there's cupboard there's a gubberty scene in 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 mogul mowgli as well just kind of like those Almost like they're, they're, these are they're very they're very colorful depictions of something that you know we don't necessarily relate to, but we feel like is a part of us. Is would, you know, would you Iman, that that's, I, yeah, yeah, it is. I think you're being too accurate. nice because I don't think you were a fan of the video either. You know, and which is fine. But I would like to to okay. So so to two things. One thing about these birds walk. I, I wanted to say that I think. In today's context, there's a lot of very problematic things in These Birds Walk, right? There's scenes where kids are literally beating each other up and we're there and they acknowledge that we're there filming it and like, oh, you're trying to be a hero in the film, right? Like that's what one of them says as, as the other one's like literally pummeling this guy. And, 
You know, there, there, there were a few fights that we stopped, but like we can't deny that us being there instigated these fights because these kids wanted to portray themselves a certain way. I mean, w- to defend us, I would say that we like we we acknowledge that and we acknowledge our presence in the film a few times. But at the same time, like that's not enough. Like it's 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 problematic. But we also know that it's problematic. Right. So I think for me to like just not deny the problems around it is also something that I think, you know, like, like I should own up to that. I should take responsibility because I think it's, it's, you know, it's, I, it was a time and a place where I was and I don't know if I would do it the same way. Right. But like, I can only speak like, like, you know, Bassam in 2011 that didn't have any children at the time and was, you know, spending this time with the children. It felt right. It felt true to me at the time. And, you know, but now when I look at it, it's a tough film for me to even watch and some of those scenes with, with the children, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't, I haven't seen it in, in a long time since it came out, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's like, I think it's just the, the issue of us orientalizing yeah. our own cultures, you know, to put it very, yeah. very plainly, you know, we, we're, we're also not from there and also it's not just us it's also like people in pakistan that are living that that grow up in privilege and grow up in cities they also do the same thing with people who are you know like like coke studio for example it's like let's bring the folksy (laughs) people in and they'll give us a sense of street cred they give us a depth to us but like we're not sufi and we don't think about that stuff it's like the veneer of culture or it's like you know pakistani truck art and i mean i've done that too yeah you know i I designed uh an album cover for the kaminas that was like pakistani truck (laughs) art you know you had a barak right there was there's literally a barak in one of the things right in one of the yeah yeah it was literally a yeah it was literally like a depiction of barak but i think also and this is what i actually really love about just the, you know the way that you you made mogul mogli it allows the the viewer to project their own ideas you mm. don't you're not so prescriptive and so like when i saw that when i saw that specter of the of the flower guy haunting zed i i felt like this is this captures that experience of the person in the diaspora who knows that they you know, they have all these questions for their parents and their parents can't even answer them, you know, about their own culture, about their grandparents, about their great grandparents. Mm. You know, you're cut off from your mm. lineage, you're cut off from your language, you're cut off from your art, you're cut off from your, you know, your, your history, your religion, all of it. And all you have mm. are these artifacts. All you have are these like, these little traces, like who knows if we were, if my great grandparents were moguls or if they were thieves or if they were religious people or mm. if they weren't like, I don't know. It's mm. just a blank. Wow. Wow, man. So, so I want to touch on two things, right? One thing that you said about the Magambo video that I'm really happy that you mentioned is this, this orientalization that we do of our own people. It's a question that, that I don't know the answer to what, what I can say is, I don't deny my own outsider perspective to this stuff because I think I am an outsider. And I think for me to ever act like I'm anything else is deception and it's wrong. What I'd like to do is to have that tension more alive in the work. And I think that's perhaps the tension that you're also feeling with the, the Toba Singh character in the film, the one who's, who wears the flowers and is a specter. He kind of embodies this, this tension that we have with with the homeland or, or, or this other thing that we're supposedly a part of that we don't even know how to necessarily interact with or approach. I also think that like we should, we have to be able to make mistakes. And I think we have to be able to be called out from it and be able to survive it. It comes back to the words that Fawad had said about the negation leads to the affirmation. That like every trip, every fall that you take, man, it still leads back to the truth. So if I can keep that as a grounding in my work, then it will allow me to make those mistakes. Does that make sense? You know, right now with COVID, it's it's going to be tough on, on, on all of us. 
none of us really have secure jobs, right? Like I just got off of a film and, you know, there's really, alhamdulillah, there's no project right now because everything has stopped. Three of my work engagements have been canceled. It's really the unknown in a beautiful way. And I think if you can keep that spirit of tripping alive and, and letting yourself fall and know that it's still leading to truth, I think you'll be okay. And I think that's what I have to remind myself, man. This is the way it has to be. Like there was no golden ticket after this film, <laughs> you know, like at the end of the road, at the end of Berlin, they hand you a big, beautiful check. It's like at the end of the Berlin, I come back here, man. I'm back here in Texas and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in the suburbs and I'm sitting in my brother's apartment, you know, my brother's house and like homeschooling my kids and in another place. You know what I mean? It's like a weird, that's, that's my life right now, you know, and I'm, I'm blessed to have it. I'm so blessed with it. Well, the, it's, it, it, it's kind of struck me as you were talking about that, that, you know, artists are used to this type of uncertainty. They don't know if their project's going to pan out. They don't know. They're not like, oh, I need to make $100,000 this year. You know, otherwise I can't pay all the bills and all the, you know, the loans and all the things that I have going on. It's just, just like that, that quintessential American experience of, of, of work culture and productivity culture it's just different and i think a lot of those people who are in that mode of thinking are really struggling with grief and and panic and you know all of the systems that they've been plugged into are no longer so everyone's kind of forced into this moment that what I'm realizing you probably have been accustomed to for quite some time. I think my wife and I are both a bit doomsday kind of people, but, but, it, but it's another kind of grief. Cause I think the sadness that comes from this is the, the death is kind of like this really foreshadowing of what we have to come in front of us. And I think that's the hard part of all this is, is the grief of, of, of the people that, you know, that we won't be able to really mourn together. So it, it really hurt. Like that's that's what really is affecting me about this time is that we're not able to really mourn together when it comes to death, and and I've just been thinking about that. Like even right now, it's like we were even trying to like time our <laughs> five, four, three, and it's hard. And like people right now, a lot of like Sufi folks are doing like group thicker online and it's just not working because <laughs> things are not in sync. So they're making a note saying you have to. Like mute, <laughs> please mute the line because we're not going to be in sync. So it's just, it's funny because I think the digital divide is a real one that like, you know, there, there are some shortcomings in this thing that I think we have to acknowledge. And I think that's the, the hardest part of, of all this, I feel for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that I, I never met uh, CD Fawad, but I've seen a number of tributes to him on various groups and things like that he i know he established mm. the radical middle way in in london and and i always <laughs> love that name i always love that yeah that that concept yeah. of our tradition of like we are the middle yeah. the middle path and there's a book by fuzzler rahman talking about the quran where he talks about this idea of that that path that middle path is not a, a narrow path mm. it's a broad path which encompasses a lot of different people, but they're all wow. walking in the same direction. Wow. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, and it's, it's kind of one of those things that I think that I loved about London was there's like, you can feel that the space is like connected with the elders. Like there's a tradition that, and then there's a, there's a tradition of resistance. There's a beautiful culture of like South Asians and, you know, and, people from from the African diaspora, right? Like they were all black, right? Like people from the Caribbeans. There was, a, you know, in the movements in the 70s and 80s, they were all black resistance movements. We were all black and that was such a, that's such a beautiful idea of all of us being under this one banner to help bring equality. And to know that when you walk those streets that you're also kind of inhabiting this and and they welcome it, you know, they like when you're like, I'd see signs saying London for all or London is open. And I would just like start crying, man, like because I really felt like I was so accepted there in a way that like I think only, you know, Queens, New York's ever accepted me.
And, you know, I, I'm always the kid from the States when I'm in Karachi, right? Like I'm always, you know, in Houston, it's like I never really felt like I fit in here or even in Sugarland or, you know, in, in college, I never felt like I had a place. But I think, you know, really it's been New York. It's been, you know, a few little places in New York and I would say London. Those are the two places where I really felt like I was able to make a home. And, and I associate that with the ability to make mistakes. Mm. You know what I mean? I think that's the reason why I don't like like a lot of religious performance. And, you know, you go to the mosque and like the khutbah will be about being a good person because, you know, your neighbor will see it and then they'll be like, oh, you're, oh, Muslims are good people. It's like, wait, so I'm performing. So like this like person next door might become Muslim. <laughs> like, wait, what? Like, this is this terrible thinking. Like, I feel like we can't get past the white gaze. We can't get past like you know, what will others think of us kind of thing, even in the mosque. Like, it's like, it's not about like, you know, the gaze of God, right? Like Basira, right? Like, we're not talking about that. We're talking about like, oh, well, it's good dawah. It's good, you know, when other people see you and when you're being Muslim, it's like, they might be like, oh, Muslims are good people. And, and that's, and that's why you should be a good person, right? Which is, I'm not going to lie. I lived my life like that for a very long time. Like, it was like, oh, you know, like, I got to make sure I don't get angry because if I get angry, then, you know, Molly might think that 1.6 billion other Muslims around the world are angry people. You know what I mean? Like that kind of <laughs> terrible burden of representation that kind of eats at a lot of us, you know? So I think places like New York and London allow you to explore the different ways you can be Muslim, man. It's that big, broad, middle path that I found really exciting and, you know, where I'm so excited for this film to be shown there because I think that, you know, it'll it'll connect with them in a way where, like, people won't be like, oh, but are you sure people are going to get it? Because I feel like sometimes when I make work, it's like the thing that some Muslims say is like, oh, well, what did what did the non-Muslims think about it? And, like, I, I really dislike that kind of thinking where it's like, I made it for you. I didn't make it for somebody else. Like, how do you feel about it? You know, it's like we're afraid to even say how we feel about work, you know, that's for us because it's like, oh, well, what, what will other people think about it? You know, is like our first reaction to it sometimes because we're so I think that we're a bit, you know, that's the way we've been educated, unfortunately, is like our Islamic education is more about an outwarding, outwardy, like outward facing exploration of faith I, I love what you were you were talking this the idea of i felt like there was an idea there that you were you were talking about of community like this idea of of new york and london that you you portrayed where you're allowed to make mistakes like you know that people will love you even if you make mistakes like that that they'll still care about you that they'll still they're not going to cancel you they're going to um, accept you with your flaws. is is such a is such a beautiful idea. But then about the second thing you were talking about about like the forms of religion, it's really interesting because I was I was actually just reading this this commentary on the Quran talking about this this ayah in Surah Baqarah. So like uh, I think it's two fifty. The is the hundred fiftieth. I was talking about how the Qibla switches from Jerusalem to oh. Mecca, and 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 then what Allah says about that. So Please. maybe I'll just read a little bit here. One of one of the outward manifestations of a lack of submission to Allah and deficient understanding of Him is an excessive preoccupation with outward forms of worship thereby neglecting its inward reality, purpose, wisdom, and meaning. This part begins with the narration of the change of the prayer direction, the Qibla. The Prophet ﷺ and his companions originally fa prayed facing Jerusalem in obedience to the command of Allah. Then a further command comes that tells them to turn towards the hallowed house in Mecca. This occurs while the Prophet ﷺ was in the masjid of what later became known as the two qiblas, the masjid al-qiblatayn. So following this direction, he and along with his companions changed the direction of prayer. At this point, the tongues of the resentful were loosed. 
spreading false rumors about about them and casting accusations of vacillation and aspersion, aspersions of inconstancy upon them. So what the Quran says at this point, it begins by alluding to those who are who are attached to these outward forms of worship and they're they're distracted by words and actions rather than the inward meanings and states so they're preoccupied with this idea of direction but they fail to truly turn their heart, their mm. hearts towards god the quran gives them the epithet shameless fools this indicates utmost derision for god does not refer to them by any name or distinguishing features merely sufficing them with this attribute fools who neither comprehended nor understood being attached too much to mere forms what's the verse i'd love to i'd love to hear you read it it's 142 so the foolish among the people will say what has turned them away from their qibla which they used to face say to Allah belongs the east and the west he guides mm-hmm. to whom he wills to a straight path I mean, like, there's so much about this tradition that's mm. already mystical. <laughs> you know, like, this idea that we're all facing this direction, but the idea that we're facing another direction and then we're facing this direction. I mean, there's just so much about just the basics of this faith that are so mystical. Even the idea of how we read these verses, you hold this for two counts and you hold this for four counts. <laughs> in this language that's just so <sighs> layered and uh, you know, I, I wanted like you know I love this challenge that that it, that is that is thrown at us you know in the Quran so many times of like where where it's like I mean it, it in itself is like I hate using the word experimental for it but man it's like the form of it is really like it it breaks western forms of storytelling like it's not you know what I mean like the book, of, I mean, like the Bible is beautiful the way it opens, like, and it begins with the word, right? Like, I mean, it's so, when you open it, you're like, oh my God, this is really powerful, right? Like, I mean, as a literary thing, it's so beautiful the way it's written from the King's James, like, version of the Bible that, I, that I've that i read, right? Like, a few parts of it. I'm like, this is really phenomenal. But, you know, I think what I love about the Quran is, like, it it doesn't really, like, allow you to kind of follow your own human logic of like a hero's journey or something. You know what I mean? Like this kind of Western idea of like, you know, I would say that most stories in the West follow a hero's journey, right? There's like, there are like two kinds of stories, either a a stranger walks into town or a man goes on a journey, right? Like the Quran is, it doesn't feel like it's one of those two. You know what I mean? It's like, it's something else. It's so other in such a profound way that it doesn't allow you to categorize it, that it throws you for these loops, right? Like, I mean, like like the most obvious thing, of course, are the letters that are, are here to tell you that you will not be able to understand everything in here and you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay with not knowing and being okay with saying, I don't know. And that is something that I find so comforting about the world. And so comforting about the the text is that you won't know everything, and it's and it's telling you that it's okay, right? I think the the Arabic that that that's helped me. Not like I don't I don't understand Arabic, but I think I've gotten pretty decent at reciting it. So you know I've like done the Tajweed classes a few times, and that like the the way it kind of opens up your heart and this like understanding that the heart is also something that that has the ability to grow and it can stretch. And it can be bigger in its love. I think you might have felt this, Imran. Like, you know, like, I don't know if you felt this when you had your daughter first, where it was like, oh, I don't know if I could ever love another child as much. But that's how I felt. Like, when I had my first child, I was like, this is it. Like, I'm never going to love anything as much as this child. And then when Yasin was born, it's like I felt my heart expand in a way. And I was like, oh, okay, so this is love. This is truth, you know, where 
where your heart can expand. And and then when you read those verses of like Alam Nashra, you know, like sorry, I don't wanna <laughs> I feel really self-conscious reciting any Quran, but I I feel like it's but but I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it because I feel like we we shouldn't be so detached from it. So give me one second. I'm gonna sit correctly and recite this because it's it's important to not, you know, just be stuck in platitudes about something like this. One second. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alam nashrah laqasadrak. Right? Like this idea of like, did we not expand your heart? Did we not expand your breast? And I never like understood it. And then when you experience something like that, it's like, oh, I get it. Right? And of course, it can mean different things to many people. I mean, it's also got a very historical meaning of like when the Prophet's chest was opened and they cleaned it. But it, but it also means something to us. And I think that's the kind of stuff that I love about it, you know? <laughs> Sorry, man. I don't know if that has anything to do with what we're talking about. I feel like if there's anything here that, that I see is like a, a, a connective tissue is about like the importance of us giving each other space to like make mistakes, you know? That I could share the Magambo video with you and you can tell me what you don't like about it. And I know that you tell me from a place of love. Like I remember you saw Ghost of Sugarland and you had, you were like, yeah, you know, with them like kind of posing at the end, like I felt like it was, it was a joke for something that was really serious that's happened. And I love that you said that because, you know, it's, it's, it, it's like, I want to be challenged. Like I want, I want that to exist in my work. Like I want, it to not just be like a bunch of my friends just giving me high fives, you know? I want there to be hugs, but at the same time, like, hey, like, here's something that else that you need to look at when when you're doing the work, you know, because I wanna I wanna get better and I wanna grow and I wanna wake I wanna make the work for my friends. And I also wanna make it for myself. Yeah. I mean it's really I feel like it's it's really beautiful that you found community like that. I mean our friendship is is special in that way but i also feel like you have a lot of people in your life that have have been that for you and you've been that for them you know you've always been very honest with me uh about the podcast and the things that you love the things that you don't love and you know it's and that mm. feels like a real friendship and that feels like a real relationship and you know like back when i was you know back when i was doing art as my full-time job I don't think that I had that type of, you know, that type of community and that type of, you know, so it's really just heartening to hear that you have, that that's your experience. And like, that's where your work is the, the wellspring that is your work that where it's coming out of what's feeding it is these connections and these relationships that you've been able to cultivate and keep you grounded. They allow you to continue to produce work that challenges yourself and challenges others you know this this latest film mogul mogli i feel like there's so much in there i feel like almost like the, like the plot is is like this sort of loose <laughs> it's like this it's like this trunk and then like all these like things are hanging off of it really loosely which which other artists can now take and run with so like you know there's bits about race in there there's bits about you know father and his son there's bits about partition there's bits about and everything's kind of dealt with almost mm. in like an abstract and in, in, and it's like you, you so much of this feels like you, you like you i know a lot of this came out of your visual research that you guys did when you when you and riz went to pakistan but still it feels like this is like a concept it's like a concept album of a film it's like you are establishing a visual language and something that can inspire the diaspora or just artists in general to like well here's a mm. here's a place where you can look you know we've discovered mm. all of these different things and and maybe not it's maybe it's also you like it'll be you discover certain things which you know, now you can deal with those things in a more complete way. This is an important piece to kind of set that, set that up and say, all right, well, here's the things that we've discovered so far. You know, Riz and I have been given permission and the ability to make this film that others mm -hmm. haven't been able to do. 
So this is what we've discovered so far. Here it is. Mm. Take what you want mm. and and mm. run with it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, something about that, man, is like, I think us looking to each other for permission to make mistakes and it's okay. And I think that's what I kind of need. Like, and it's not even make mistakes. It's about taking creative risks. I feel like I have to look at people of color, like working class people that have taken creative risks in their life in order for me to take those risks, right? Like I think of Umar Bhai, Umar Malik. Look at Riz, man. Riz, working class kid, just like me, man. Like I look to him. I look to my, you know, I look to these people that, you know, come from uh, like strong spiritual aspirations and and also still fall, right? Like it's because it's human, man. We're human. And I think, you know, it's it's exciting to exist in this time that we're able to make mistakes. But I think... Um, it, it's funny that like we find energy from our community, from our friends, but I think they can also be the ones that can also dig us, dig us into our own grave, you know, or, or, or dig the hole that they, you know, that, that, that we end up planting our heads in. And I think, you know, I, I think it's important to, to also learn to find the energy within ourselves because it's, it's lonely, even though this is a collaborative sport, it's a contact sport. It's, it's something that also requires you to feel. Uh, it requires you to be being okay with. It requires you to be okay with being Brave. alone, and sometimes being the only one that sees the way the thing the way that you see it, and no no one else will see it the way that you see it, and you have to be okay with that, because sometimes what you see in it and it's your mistake, but you have to be comfortable with making your your mistake and not making somebody else's. And I think that was something that I wanted to make sure that I was doing. And it's not easy because, you know, even the people that you love might might not agree with you, right? Like there were things, decisions I made in the film that my wife wasn't happy with, right? She was like, that's weird. I didn't think that you would do that. And I was like, but, you know, it was what was called for and I did it. And, you know, I don't know if I, maybe I wouldn't do it again the same way that I did it, but, you know, I that's the way I did it. And, you know, and I forgive myself for, for what it was and, I'm happy for what I got from it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the role of the artist in society. You know, the artist kind of pushes things. They push the barrier. And in, in Western society, it's always been kind of pushing it towards, it's usually pushing, it, pushing the boundaries towards, like, uh, things that are lewd or, you know, even pornographic. But I think that there's also something to be said about the a spiritual artist who's pushing towards like these are not things that we normally talk about or these are things that we don't normally we don't normally film or you know the inner life of spirituality mm. is not clean it's not it's not linear it's not yeah it's, it's very messy and like you make a little bit of mistake you little make a little bit of progress and then you 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 know, it's like shoots and ladders. <laughs> you, you think you've made it, and then all of a sudden you're straight yeah. back at the at the beginning. And that's something that was so hard for me to understand in the beginning of this. It was was to mm. understand my own behavior because I was like, I want I want this so wow. badly. I want this so badly, but I'm wow. still making mistakes. Like I guess I'm just doomed to this type of life. And thankfully people entered my life who were able to sort of guide me to to not despair you know like there is that there's a quote from Rumi that this is not we're not a caravan of despair come back come back ah oh, oh, beautiful I love that you know something that I that I also learned I don't even know if this is true but you know maybe you can I mean or something that I read was about Toba and how Toba isn't about repentance it's about turning it's a turning back and it's about turning and turning and how you're in constantly an act of turning. And I thought that was really beautiful because, you know, penance and in the sense of like punishment and like, well, if you do this, you'll be forgiven. I don't know if that's how we work. I think we work in a way of where we're constantly turning. And that's, I think, very <laughs> beautiful, right? Like there is no God, but God, you know, there's negation that leads to the affirmation. But you have to have the negation before the affirmation. It's about a constant turning. And Toba is like, and it's like, you know, and there's something really beautiful about that. Like after you even you finish your prayer, like 
you you hear people muttering astaghfirullah 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 because there's this constant desire to and i don't think it comes from an ocd like anxiety of like oh i didn't do things right but it comes more from a a feeling of like of like i i i trip up i know i trip up i know i'm human and i'm imperfect and that in itself is beautiful because i'm i've been created by something that is that is perfect and and i and i acknowledge my imperfection and i think that's like something with like in some architecture i don't know if this is a myth or not but i'm not sure if you've heard the story but like in in a lot of islamic architecture like when they build these beautiful mosques or these institutions they would create a part of it like where the bricks would be all messed up like and it would always be a sign of like you know god is perfect and we're not so this is us you know in a sense acknowledging our own imperfection and i find that so beautiful this idea that like you know what like i'm going to be imperfect on purpose so you know that like i am this even my imperfection is an act of submission to perfection so that's something that i find very liberating in our tradition and you know so there it is it's the 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 whole purpose of being messy with our art and with our creativity comes from the tradition <laughs> so, maybe this is my hipster like this is what some people say oh, this is your hipster islam bro it's not there but it's there man it's there like i look at this stuff like like, you know, Mirza Ghalib, like, yeah, dude, the homeboy probably drank, like, you know, and all that stuff, whatever, right? But, like, but he was a believer. He didn't deny his belief, right? Like, he believed. And what he wrote was beautiful. And, you know, and, like, and it's, like, truth comes from so many different places. And you have to accept it, right? And that's, that's like, what this time is telling us. is like, if you're just going to look at the person that, follows everything with your paradigm of piety and that's the only person you will listen to then i'm really sorry you have a very narrow view of the world and i i feel really sorry for you because i think the world is so beautiful and so vast and you know and like our teachers tell us that like every every living thing is your sheikh you know and i love that I love that idea that like everything, everyone is my sheikh and I have something to learn from everyone because I don't know where Wilaya is. I don't know where sainthood is and it lies everywhere around me and it's hidden around me everywhere. And that's kind of the hope that you're able to, to see it and not just dismiss what's in front of you. Yeah, that's something that we don't, I feel we don't talk about enough. You know, from the very beginning, of my path you know i i was i was pretty much following a line a philosophical line of like nothing matters i, I fell into this type of nihilism and discovering what it was about islam that was it, it, for me it was an intellectual as well mm. as a spiritual awakening and the reason it was both was that the main message i was attracted to was this idea that Every mm. single thing has meaning. Mm. That like that's just such a incredible thing in this in this tradition. Like there's the idea of the kitab, the book, the written book, but then there's also the 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 mm. book of creation. That everything that's created has a meaning. It's it's only certain mm. hearts that can perceive those meanings, and so poets have a lot of poets have that ability to see uh, the meaning yeah. in the forms they don't get so caught up in the in the forms of things and so once if you can sort of adopt that as your as your way of moving about the world it the whole experience mm -hmm. of life becomes different and and you don't it's really hard then to become provincial I, yeah because there's just so much meaning to be had yeah, there's but, so much to read but but, but, but there's so much diversity yeah, but you so know i have beauty. to also acknowledge my own insecurity that i think sometimes i am afraid to look at other work because because i feel like my work isn't as good as other people so i want to shoot it down 
or, you know, I think it comes from just, just like, feel like to, you know, like, I feel like sometimes when we get provincial, it comes from an insecurity from, you know, traumas that we have from our past. Yeah. But I, I carry that, man. I'm super provincial. Like when I find wealthy people making great art, like my first thought is like, oh, well, they come from money. So of course, like clearly they make good art because they could go to the best art school. I didn't go to art school. Like, like you know, and it's like this other, it's this inverse snobbery as Umar Pai would call it, like because he, he would always call me out on it. And he goes, you know, just because that person went to Lums or went to Indus or like went to like, you know, Parsons or, you know, NYU Tisch, like any of these like big places that they have the money to, you know, afford it. Like, mashallah, that's amazing. They were able to afford those institutions. You know, it's Zaytuna, right? <laughs> like, you know, it's it's like it's you should be happy like for them and not try to tear them down because you're not them and because you couldn't go there. So I think that's my challenge. And I want to acknowledge that. Like, I am very, you know, I get very, very defensive and very insecure when it comes to, yeah. I think that's a, yeah, yeah that's a very human tendency to do that. You know, it's just, you know, back to kind of the moment that we're in right now of social isolation. The entire world is being put in this, into this very spiritual exercise of isolation. It's good to be able to connect, you know, with people and to be thankful for these these methods as imperfect as they are to still speak to people across across the distance and to speak to you and to have this conversation. And also to, you know, you, you put out this film and that film will continue to communicate the intentions of that person that you were when you made it. And and also intentions that seeped into the film that you never even intended to be there, yeah. but will go on to communicate. And that's oh, that's just yeah, a beautiful let's, thing. Let's see. I think something that I would like to end with saying is like two things, particularly dealing with isolation is like, you know, I'm, I'm also really sad, like not just for the, the larger reasons of like grieving the potential deaths of loved ones and people that won't be able to to mourn or but but it's also like on a very like personal and selfish level like i have a feeling like we're also kind of we're all also grieving our careers a little bit like i feel like i've you know like i, I remember kelly reichardt this this incredible filmmaker who's made these beautiful films about americana very you know unassuming powerful american films and she says that whenever she makes a film, she she feels it's a miracle that she was offered to make it. So she makes it like it's her last because she never knows if she'll ever have the opportunity again to make it. And I think I'm at that moment right now where it's like, I may not ever, like this was such a blessing that this could be it. Like I may not ever make another film and that's okay. Like I, I have to learn to be okay with that. And, you know, and I think the only way I can, I'm learning to be okay with that is if like I can, can accept that a lot of these things are out of my hands because in order to have the ability to make a film is like, like it's not, you can have the ability to make a film, but for all the things to align for it to happen, it's a miracle. And, you know, and right now with isolation, you realize how much we all need each other as well <laughs> to live and to make the work that we want to make. Like we need each other. It just doesn't happen in a box alone in a room but you know like even right now in order for this conversation to happen man you have someone taking care of your kids i have my brother taking care of my kids i have my mother and father downstairs you know helping them so it's like it takes all of us for even it takes so many of us for you and i to even have this conversation right now and i hope we don't ever lose sight of that yeah i agree agreed i feel like it, i hope that all of this just makes us more grateful you know Anybody who has the privilege to be able to create anything and put it out into the world, I mean, I, I feel like it's just, it's, we need to take it seriously. We need to take that responsibility seriously. We need to realize that our life is serious. Everything that we do is serious. But, but I think the importance of us tripping up and making mistakes and knowing that like, it'll lead us to, to something that is so important. Well, that's, if, that's, if that's the path, 
if the path means you have to be loose sometimes, but you're still being serious in the fact that you know that you're trying to get mm. somewhere for a mm. real purpose. You're not, you're not just, you know, it's not the type of like art school, like just try anything. Yeah. Like there's a discipline, there's a discipline, right? Like a rigor that's needed. I, I'd say. Mogul Mowgli is a film I hope you all get to see soon. But if you haven't seen Basam's previous films yet, you should. Ghost of Sugarland is available on Netflix. You can rent These Birds Walk, the documentary that takes place in Pakistan. Thank you to Basam Tarek for taking the time. This episode of American Submitter was produced by myself, Imran Ali Malik, and Zahra Parikh. This is an independent production that relies on your support. Consider becoming a patron of our work by clicking the link in the show notes.